1: Welcome to this week's Ask Amy episode. We are talking about homeowners associations and the upcoming legislative session. My guest today is David Kahn. You're an attorney. You mostly focus on helping homeowners with their rights when it comes to their HOAs.
0: Yep, I've been doing that for about 20 years now. and a fair amount going back and forth with you. And I really appreciate being here today.
1: Oh, well, thank you for coming in. So a lot of stories that we do, I, I do call you quite often. So we'll get a homeowner who calls us, whether it's about a fence that they put up, that the HOA says, Oh, ah, that's the wrong color wrong material or their door color. And I usually call you and say, what are their rights? What can they do? But before all of these problems in the neighborhoods, all of these rules and, and your rights are sort of coming from the top down at our capital. And so that's where you start. You usually go to Austin every legislative session to sort of advocate on behalf of homeowners. And it sounds like this is something that you have to prepare for months and months in advance.
0: Well, We do. Everybody prepares. If you want to get stuff done, you have to have your bills in early, and you have to have identified at least some significant sources of support, yeah. politicians as well as uh, political allies who will help get bills passed. Some years were successful. Some years, not so much.
1: Well, and I don't want to dwell too much on last year or last legislative session, but it seems like it was a really productive year in terms of things that you all and HOA reform groups got passed on behalf of homeowners.
0: Last year was a very productive year. You're absolutely right. I I attribute that in large part to the realtors. Uh, the realtors are a potent political force in this state on many issues. There are at least two realtors pretty much in every town uh, and they pay attention to the laws that affect their businesses and uh, we're very pleased to to get support from the realtors They've recognized that that in a number of uh, areas uh, the homeowner associations have uh, abused uh, authority and have uh, done a wonderful job helping us to figure out some ways to rein that in. Mm
1: -hmm. And, and before we get in a deep dive into sort of what you guys want to do this year, um, I said, you know, why is it that I always call David Kahn whenever I have a homeowner's issue? And it's because there are not a whole lot of you attorneys that are familiar with the law and sort of what my rights are when it comes to what can I do in the situation. So how did you decide that this is the type of law you want to do?
0: Well, uh, there are a few, a few attorneys who are familiar with the law. Most of them are not interested in protecting homeowner rights. They're institutionally interested in protecting the association rights. I got involved, uh, longtime listeners will remember, Geneva Brooks, who was an advocate on many issues. And the, the one I got involved with her on had to do with homeowner associations. Uh, Geneva owned houses, uh, 15 or so rent houses across uh, the Houston area. Mm-hmm. And in one subdivision, North Glen, uh, This homeowner association came after her for having grass, real grass, in the cracks of her sidewalk. And she organized opposition to this and a number of other issues, had a protest of about uh, 200 homeowners, is what I recall. Uh, And then the homeowner association sued her, essentially trying to get her to shut up. Mm -hmm. And I got involved more as a free speech issue than as a homeowners association issue. Texas law is really good. You can't – the courts will not tell you on pretty much any issue to shut up. Uh (laughs) And they didn't tell Geneva that. Uh, The association then raised a number of other issues, and we counterclaimed with issues. And that case went all the way to the Texas Supreme Court, which Uh issued the first in what has become an increasing pattern of decisions respecting homeowner rights. The Texas Supreme Court has been uh, issuing some very good decisions uh, over the past – well, since then, but most recently over the past five years or so.
1: Yeah, and and then you got bit by that bug, and then there were other cases that followed, and then I imagine.
0: Well, we had the the next the next big one involved a a, a woman who uh, had a beautiful garden in the front yard of her house. It, she called it a butterfly garden. She had an English style Tudor home, mm-hmm. uh, uh, north up north of the city in the Spring area, and uh, she had what would, by many people's standards, be called an English garden. English gardens are Somewhat wild, uh, natural, natural, yeah. And she had little paths that went through the garden. And my favorite, my favorite video of all time on TV was uh, coming and being filmed walking through her garden. <laughs> and I, we've lost that video, but uh, well. but that exposed me to more issues. And uh, we've now seen quite a number of issues where uh, homeowners have been essentially denied basic rights. Uh, you know, your home is, is really where you define your space. And most of us believe we should be left alone in our homes. Mm-hmm. And, and many homeowner associations do leave you alone in your home, and that's perfectly fine, and I never hear about them. Yeah. Uh, but, but some fail to do that. And, uh, you know, one of the sets of issues we can talk about today is what happens when your association is out of control
1: mm-hmm. exactly and you are always the first to say most homeowners associations i mean are a lot of them are good and these the laws that are passed are not really made for those homeowners associations they're made for the sort of bullies or the the homeowners associations that want to overstep And then you have these laws that you can refer to because there's not a government agency that you can go to and say, hey, make my HOA follow this law. If they're breaking the law, my only recourse is to take them to court.
0: Well, you have two recourses. One is to take them to court. And the long-term better approach is if you can vote the bums out. Mm -hmm. And one of the sets of problems we have is that it is hard to vote the bums out. Uh, and so we can have we can have runaway HOA boards as a whole, or we can have runaway individuals uh, who sometimes become almost dictatorial in their in their efforts to control what their neighbors do.
1: Yeah. So let's start there. I mean, a lot of the things that that you mentioned that you want to do in the legislature this session is. Are, are making rules that I think the vast majority of people would say, oh, they don't already have to do that, like in, in terms of meetings and being able to vote board members out. Um, well,
0: that, that's exactly right. Uh, the group I work with, so I'm a lawyer. I go to court. I give people advice. And I work with a group called the HOA Reform Coalition. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be going back, we being the coalition, uh, are going to be going back to the legislature this year trying to uh, confirm important protections for homeowners. Uh, The the first simplest one that I think we should talk about is in condominiums. If you live in a subdivision, you have the right to vote on every issue that's important. Mm -hmm. If you live in a condominium, you might not have that right if you owe money, for example, or if you are charged with a violation. So in that's
1: interesting. So I'm just real quick, what you're saying is that my um, rights in an HOA are different than if I'm in a condo and have a condo owner's association. It's not the same. The rules are different.
0: That's right. Because back with Geneva Brooks, in that time period, there was also a woman named Winona Blevins. Mm-hmm. And Winona Blevins, after her home was sold out from under her, uh, inspired the legislature to pass a set of the initial round of due process protections. And those exist for subdivisions, but not for condominiums. And one of the important protections in subdivisions is you have the right to vote, uh-huh. uh, and you don't have that right in condominiums. And we simply want to extend the same right that you have in subdivisions to condominiums
1: to be able to vote, even if you're behind on your dues or if they've you know fined you for a specific violation, you should still be able to vote.
0: Correct. And one of the things that we've seen, and we used to see in subdivisions, and we still see in condominiums, is if the board is Interested in entrenching its power near to the election, they will send out a lot of violation notices, and then those people can't vote.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: we want to stay away from that. There's no legitimate reason to prevent people from voting. So that'll be that's that'll be primary. It should that should be very easy to get through. Right. But of course we don't have it yet. So yeah. maybe there'll <laughs> be opposition. I don't know.
1: All right. So let's talk about the next thing. Um, when it comes to just good government and good. Um, good policies. I didn't realize there are not term limits for board of directors.
0: There are not term limits for board of directors. And generally speaking, I think uh, we favor term limits. Mm-hmm. The, there, there is a downside to that, which is that if you have a very good uh, person who's in office and it's hard to find other people to join the board, that can be a problem. So the, the approach that we're likely to take regarding term limits is to say that there might be a time limit, somewhere between 6 and 10 years, and then you have to go off the board for at least one session, which would be 2 to 3 years. And then if you're still the right person for that subdivision, you go back on. Uh Uh, But all subdivisions will benefit by having uh, a deeper pool of of good people who can uh, who are informed and can run the subdivision.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, who's, who's opposed to that? When you go to the legislative sessions and you guys talk about that, who are the people on the other side who will say, like, oh, we don't really think that we should be doing that, limiting terms?
0: Well, so term limits is not usually the place where people draw the line, but uh-huh. the, the groups that are institutionally opposed to homeowners generally are the lawyers and the property management companies that make their living mm-hmm. often a very good living uh, charging homeowners lots of money for <laughs> f- what are from my perspective uh, relatively limited benefits mm-hmm. so we have uh, we have what I have called the foreclosure factory where uh, if even if you own a very small amount of money to your association and, and you might need to pay that amount of money, uh-huh. the lawyers will. Uh, rapidly charge you as much as three thousand dollars when you get sued. So we want to try to find a solution. one of our proposals last session and this session will be to find a simpler solution so the associations can get what they are owed rapidly mm-hmm. uh, which can range between 200 and say six hundred dollars a year for a subdivision. and it could be, Maybe two hundred to six hundred dollars a month in a condominium, so you want to be able to make sure that the associations, especially in the condominiums, can keep that income stream flowing mm-hmm. but it should be able to be done without letting lawyers collect three thousand dollars just to get that small amount of money. Banks don't do that they get their money
1: yeah on the on the other um side of the coin, I guess, or another issue is records. I always tell people, you have the right. Hey, you're a homeowner. You want to know why this project hasn't been completed and you thought that's what you were paying dues for? Just ask your HOA for their budget, for their contract. And you're like, we might have that right, but then what ha- what can happen? Why do you want to um, talk about this in this next So session? you
0: do have that right. Just as you said, you should be able to, under the law, ask your homeowners association for Basic records, budget records, contracts that the association has signed, minutes of meetings, uh, bank records, uh, email addresses of your co-owners if you want to reach out to them to make sure you can contact them about some other issue that you care about, Mm -hmm. that that you want a new rule in the subdivision, whether that's about can we have soccer goals in the front yard, can we have – uh, what what are the rules for portable basketball nets? but any any rule you want? do we want to reduce our uh, our assessments? You want to be able to contact your co-owners and email is is the way we do it. Many associations will be perfectly responsive, and I never hear about them. Uh-huh. But we have thousands and thousands of subdivisions in this state, and there are plenty of subdivisions where the boards will withhold that information for as long as they can, Mm -hmm. and they are aided in that by management companies who often, for example, don't want the public to know, the public meaning you and your Uh neighbors, to know how much the management company is being paid. So when they do that, the process is very slow. Mm -hmm. It can take the, the most recent situation I had took literally eight months to get basic information. One of the things we learned was the association had literally not done an audit Mm -hmm. for uh, at least five years. Now, in condominiums, you have to have an audit every year. That's what the statute says. Uh We want to have the same law for subdivisions. We don't have that. But if you have it, if the association does the audits, they should be available to the homeowners. Well, some subdivisions will withhold that. So, what, what we're planning to do for that issue, Amy, is to make a list of certain documents that always should be available. Audits would be on that list, mm-hmm. contracts would be on that list, homeowner email would be on that list. The board, uh, minutes of meetings would uh-huh. be on that list. The boards can fulfill that obligation by putting it on a website. Right. And then they never have to do anything again. They just say to the person, look it up on the website. Yeah. Uh, but if they don't then we're going to want to have a much faster turnaround time for those that category of documents because there is the documents already exist there is no basis for withholding them right now if the homeowner comes up with a, a creative request for something that isn't isn't standard mm-hmm. then it's okay with me if the association takes a little bit of time consults their lawyer make sure they can give it out we don't want information given out that would for example uh, invade the privacy of other homeowners so records of uh, of decisions by the architectural control committee uh-huh. I wouldn't want them to know that you Amy yeah. had applied for and uh, and either gotten or been refused a particular permission but we might want to get be able to have the homeowners get some kind of compilation of all of the, how many records have been, uh, how many applications have been submitted for uh, green paint on the on the front of your house, something like that. Got it. and And in those situations, there might be a need for a little bit more time, and that's okay. But we want to make sure that it still happens fast, and that if the association withholds the documents, that they can be that we can move the court process very quickly in J.P. court.
1: All right. I'm going to stop you right there because when we come back, we're going to talk about that and also talk about some things and holding HOAs accountable when they don't do things they're already supposed to be doing. And then David wants to talk a little bit about sort of how you can help, how homeowners can help in this whole effort. It's not just David and a handful of other people going on homeowners behalf to Austin that we can um, all get involved. If you have an interest, we'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm here with David Kahn. You're an attorney that mostly represents homeowners in cases um, against HOAs, homeowners associations. So you're talking to us a little bit about um, issues that you plan to present before the legislature, this next legislative session in Austin. Um, but we said that people can help. I mean, so if you're listening to this and any of the things that David brings up resonate with you because you're like, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me i my meeting. I wish that that, you know, my board was required to do this or required to do that, then David wants to hear from you. People should hear your story. Like why Why do you want to hear from people?
0: Well, that's exactly right, Amy. I, w- I would stress it's not David wants to hear from you. I work with a group called the uh, HOA Reform Coalition. That's what we're about. Uh, my understanding is we have about 1,000 members uh, across the state. Uh, uh-huh. The executive director is a, a woman named Nancy Koznecki. Maybe you can have Nancy on at some point to, to yeah. talk about uh, these issues. Um, HOareformcoalition.org, it's not just that we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. And there are two basic reasons for that. First, we have some ideas based on what other people have told us about what the problems are but we don't know all the problems. Mm -hmm. And we need to know which are the current problems, which are the most important. So that's one set of reasons. If you tell us, we'll know. And HOA Reform Coalition has a great website, and you can submit your information to that website, and then that will help us learn about problems. You can submit questions, and if we can, we'll help you answer them. Uh, The second thing is we need to hear from you to make change, because the legislators prioritize those issues that their constituents care about. Now, we don't have the kind of money to make, we don't make any campaign contributions. We don't have the kind of money to compete with the people who pay to play. Mm -hmm. The only way we're going to get things done is if we persuade the legislators that your vote is going to depend on how they respond when we ask for basic homeowner rights. Mm -hmm. And we've had some years where there have been good responses. Two years ago, we had a good session with the legislature. Then there were several prior legislative sessions where we didn't get very much, and then there there have been some in the past as well. It always depends on how many people uh, we can mobilize and how can we persuade legislators that it matters in their home districts. We have one advantage uh-huh. that some of the overreaching Property management companies and law firms will actually go after the legislators and they don't think about this. Uh-huh. And so at one of our in one of our very good sessions, there was, there's a you can see it on TV, there were literally a half dozen legislators who got up on the floor of the Texas uh House uh-huh. and said this this particular issue had to do with sending notices by certified mail. And the management companies didn't want to do that. The the legislators got up and said, my association has messed with me. If mm-hmm. they will mess with me, they will mess with you. Uh-huh. But that was only six or eight. We we really want all the legislators, and they, we need to get a hundred. Uh-huh. So uh, contact hoa reform You can call me if you want me to sue. But but if you want <laughs> but if you want to make the change, and that's what's going to help everybody. That's what's really going to uh, make the difference. Let's, let's work with HOAreformcoalition.org and get that information in front of the legislators where it needs to be.
1: Okay. All right. Let's talk about elections. So whenever you have an HOA, they usually have a board, a board of directors, and how they're elected, um, that whole process is pretty important. So you're looking for some change there.
0: Yeah. Um, the problem that we see is that homeowners have a great deal of trouble electing new people. Mm-hmm. Now, some subdivisions again, this is not a problem. But in some subdivisions, the quorum requirement is so high that they don't get enough homeowners voting, and the same people stay in office essentially forever. Mm-hmm. So what we want is a structure that will help achieve quorum in every election. So maybe we start with a quorum of fifty percent of homeowners. Some subdivisions will get that if there are only forty homeowners, they might get that. But if the if that doesn't work, then we want to cut that quorum requirement in half, and a week later, the quorum requirement should be 25%. And if that doesn't work, a week later, the quorum requirement should be, say, 10% until we get an actual election, Mm -hmm. so that when the documents say you'll have board members elected every two or three years... They actually are elected every two or three years.
1: Because what you're saying is they'll, they may say, oh, well, we've never had quorum. So in 30 years, we've never had a new board of directors and the same people just stay on.
0: Yes. And, and that's actually a fairly common problem. And we would love to have, I mean, I get calls from people all over Harris County, but we would love to have calls from people in Bear County, mm-hmm. Travis County, El Paso, Dallas-Fort Worth. Any of any of these cities and, and any of the suburbs around the cities, we have Fort Bend. We have, you know, many, many places where this is a problem. If your condominium can't get a quorum and the same people stay in power, let us know.
1: Okay. All right. Let's talk about uh, the public comment period. Um, whenever you go to board meetings or, or commonly called pop-off because you want to stand up and you want to talk, I mean, I sort of thought that every meeting had this public comment period, but No.
0: No. Uh, the, the question whether to have a, a, a public session, the, for subdivision, well, for all, all HOAs at this point, meetings are supposed to be open so that homeowners can observe. And that's been made much easier by having Zoom meetings. And I'm a believer in Zoom meetings. It lets many more people participate. You can participate for the 15 minutes that you have available, even if it's while you're making dinner. Mm-hmm. You can just listen in. Uh, but the other thing that we want is the ability of homeowners to raise issues with their directors. And there are two reasons why this is important. The first is the directors may simply not be aware of an issue. and uh, I've seen this come up where someone has said, for example, they're littering in my front yard. They're they're putting somebody's driving through the neighborhood, throwing flyers on the front yard, I want it to stop. And the director said, Yeah, that's a good issue. Let's take pay attention. And the second is there might be an issue that you care about and the directors don't care about. And if you speak about that issue, then others in the subdivision will know you care and they might reach out to you. So what what I think we're going to be looking to do is to make sure that that there's a certain number of meetings every year, Mm -hmm. let's say four, right? uh, every year, where at least a half an hour is devoted to, depending on the size of the subdivision, I suppose, where at least a half an hour is devoted to letting the constituents be heard. Doesn't mean you're going to get a decision at the meeting, just you get a chance to say your piece.
1: Got it. We're getting really close to time here, so I want to let you pick the next topic, what you think is most important coming up.
0: I, so I think that the, the other really important issue with uh, with elections has to do with the ability to recall directors if they get out of control. Right. There should be a flat-out statutory provision allowing recall. There isn't. And the second thing is we need to facilitate having special meetings where homeowners call those meetings so they can recall the directors. And right now, the process allows the incumbent board the very people you're challenging to control that and we've got a number of ideas about how to make that system work for homeowners so they can uh recall directors
1: all right well you have a lot on your plate um and with hoa reform and and this legislature convenes in january get a little bit of time to work on these things reach out if you have a story if you have an issue i mean we're always doing stories about um homeowners and homeowners rights and likely i'll probably give david a call and find out what your rights are
0: you know your first call should be to amy (laughs) the reality is when she puts an issue on tv hundreds of thousands of people if not millions of people will hear that story and it gets it can go viral Uh, we've had that happen with a couple of our stories that have just been really astonishing in the uh abuse that, that the homeowners have suffered. So call Amy first, but uh, also call, uh, contact by email, by uh, going to the website, uh, HOA Reform Coalition, and let us know uh, what is going on that's bad, and if you have ideas about what would help, and if you have contacts in the legislature, people who you've already been able to uh, help get elected, and maybe they should pay attention to things you think about. Let us know.
1: All right. And so the name of this is Ask Amy. So also, if you have any questions that you need answers to, send me an email to askamy at kprc.com. Thanks so much for coming in today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Take care.